You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Uh, Doing well. Yeah. How about yourself? Today's been kind of odd, but I actually had a little bit of hope today. I was was out, and I just heard in casual conversation as I was walking past somebody, I heard somebody referencing the protest that happened over here last week, and they said, did you hear about over a million people in the streets up in Berlin over last weekend? And the guy said, well, no, the TV said there was only 20,000. He said, no, there was over a million people. See, people know. Right. People can see through the garbage. Right. They, they know better. And so I'm actually happy that people are able to decipher and, and look through that. So it, it gave me a little bit of hope uh, when I heard that conversation just in passing today. But anyway, other than that, I guess it's been an uneventful day. I guess the big topic now is the uh, the pick. Right. The VP pick, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Joe's picked yeah. uh, Kamala Harris. Now, Politico put out a um, an early release statement. What was it last week? saying, oh, uh, yeah, we accidentally put that up or, or something like that. And uh, they had it uh, ready to go and it just kind of whatever. But they go with Harris. OK, but Harris doesn't play. She she doesn't play. She doesn't play with the radical left agenda. So how does this work? How, how does this work? Because I, I'm looking at some tweets of leftists that are all over you know, uh, Twitter, and they're saying that, you know, she's the top cop. Uh, we're talking about racial justice and police abolition, and she's pro-police. Mm-hmm. We're trying mm-hmm. to help a move. You know, we're trying to get a movement started for black lives, and she's someone to help or someone that helped perpetuate lock them up regime. So, I mean, th- this doesn't play with the radical left that we're seeing out in the streets. How do they justify this pick? How, how do you try and sway that base now? and try and regain something with them when she's clearly not someone that they favored at all. Statistically speaking, the the people that are clamoring for an extremist far left type, Mm -hmm. they weren't going to vote anyway because their extremist choice wasn't uh, the nominee. So why are they going to go out and vote for, you know, a Joe Biden when he's not far enough left? You know, he's he's I mean, everybody sees it contrary, contrary to what the media says. Um, Biden has issues and it looks like dementia, you know, I mean, Brian Seltzer was saying uh, at one point, uh, about the, um, uh, showing the video of Biden on the, on, uh, riding a bike, you know, and saying he, he's totally cognizant and is fine. And like, everything's okay. Um, is that the standard that the left has for a president? Seriously? Like, is that, is that what you're saying is? Is, is riding a bike. Yeah. There's been research that have shown you can have part of your brain removed and those people still remember how to ride a bike or, or do similar tasks. Uh, so is it a surprise that he knows how to ride a bike? Is that a feat? I mean, like an eight year old can ride a bike. Will be. I mean, are, are they valid for president? So uh, I have a lot of uh, critique there. But as far as Kamala and and what the what the radical left, I, I don't think they're going to vote anyway. Uh, I think they're going to be the disenfranchised. They're probably going to be the ones out there rioting, honestly. Uh, well, but as far as the, the middle ground Democrats, you know, the ones that are closer to the center, um, yeah. I think they'll like this pick a little bit better than, uh, you know, I, I feel like they would like it better. But at the same time, when you really start getting into the nitty gritty of her beliefs, uh, it's going to 
push them as well, uh, push them away as well, because she's a Marxist. So I don't know. Well, I don't know. The, like I said, the, the radical leftist, I I mean, she I don't think she plays. She doesn't play with the 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 agenda to disband the police. She represents the legal system. Right. She was the Cal. She did work with the California D.A. So right. she doesn't really she doesn't fit with that narrative. Now, she does meet the criteria that they were looking for. The Democrats were looking for. It is a woman. It is a woman of color. So she does fit that criteria since you know, we're in the era of identity politics. So, of course, they have to check the box. But mm -hmm. to be honest with you, I mean, to be a VP pick, regardless of what you think of her politics, she is qualified as far as I'm concerned. She she does have the qualifications. She does know the legal system. She does know the political system. She's very well versed in both of those. So I don't see how she's unqualified. She's going to overshadow Biden. Well, she's yeah, more course. energetic. She's more, you know, she well, she's, for one, she's more cognizant. So, I mean, of course, she's going to overshadow him, you know, I mean, so uh, I don't know. It, in a sense, Kamala, what I gather from Kamala, you know, because remember, she had the affair with her boss to to gain, you know, she did the opposite of the, the Me Too movement where they say you, they were assaulted by their boss and and she's the reverse of that, more or less. She mm -hmm. used her boss to gain position and authority, you know, more power and I mean, I don't know. It, 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 for someone that that's of that type, that mindset, do you think Biden, when he starts showing more degradation, do you think she's going to be out in the media supporting him? She's going to immediately start planning for her takeover. So no. as far as the Biden campaign is concerned, that was a dangerous pick if Biden wants to be president. If the goal is just to get some Marxist or some person that's the leans Marxist or whatever, someone that they can control a puppet, then... Yeah, this was a great pick. I don't think she is somebody that's an independent thinker, though. I mean, she's someone that obviously she has to be someone that does what she's told. Otherwise, the party wouldn't have allowed it. So I could see her being the, shall we say, the power behind the throne. As you say, she she will overshadow him. She'll she'll overcast him. Essentially, you're voting for Biden in this election. Then you're voting for Harris. That's what you're doing, mm -hmm. because three yep. months into it, dude's in the funny farm. I mean, that's where he's at. Yeah. So. Uh, the other thing is, is, I mean, we talked about it last week, the Revolutionary Communist Party USA, they've endorsed Biden. Now, mm -hmm. there is, I mean, that's a far left organization. Bernie Sanders is also jumped on board, congratulating Harris on Twitter, it says that, uh, you know, she's going to make history as our next vice president. She understands what it takes to stand up for working people, fight for health care for all and take down the most corrupt administration in history. Okay. You know, Bernie, if Bernie's endorsing that, then that means that's a checkbox for the DSA, right? Because the DSA follows Bernie, correct? So more or less, yeah. Okay, so we've got the Revolutionary Communist Party. We've got the Democratic Socialists of America. As far as political establishments, they're on board. But mm -hmm. the ones mm -hmm. out in the streets, again, that's DSA that's helping to fund and uh, and organize those people out there. I'm trying to connect the dots here to see how they're going to get that organization on board with the Biden pick because it just doesn't work. Those are anarcho-Marxists out there in the streets. Right. That doesn't play with someone who's a moderate. It doesn't. And someone who served in the legal system, someone who served in uh, in the justice system. It doesn't play. 
I guess I was expecting the Biden pick. I was expect I wasn't expecting Susan Rice. I was expecting, say, Stacey Abrams or Keisha, uh, Keisha, whatever her name was down in uh, Atlanta. I was expecting one of those, one of these radical mm-hmm. far left as in Stacey Abrams. That probably would have been a better pick if you're looking to get the far left. I'm just saying. So I, I don't know. I, I just don't I don't see this pick working. I don't see the Dems gaining any favors with this. I, I really don't, because even a lot of these prominent uh, leftists that are out there uh, putting their tweets out there, they're already talking about how she was, you know, the worst candidate running and she quit early. She couldn't even get it through the primary. I'm torn because these are deeply problematic track records that they both have. Presidential campaign for Kamala Harris was a total disaster. It was humiliating. The worst of all time. So uh, and these are average. They're on the left, but these are top liberal voices. So like uh, Michael Tracy, Brianna Joy Gray. I mean, these are these, these are top. These are top voices on like Bernie Sanders. And you know, Bernie Sanders seems to be the only one that's in support of her. Everyone else is not. So I, I just look at it as a, I think it's a bad pick. Like I said, I don't think she's unqualified. I just think it's a bad pick if you're looking to try and win the White House. And they're not going to win. Even with all of the massive voter fraud, they're not going to win. And the worst part is they're not going to accept it. They're not going to accept it. You know they're not going to accept this election. They're not going to do it. They didn't mm-hmm. accept the last one. So it stands to reason they're not going to accept, accept this one. So I, I think that Harris is just, I think she's a bad pick. Like I said, I, I don't think she's going to win over any favors for uh, for the radical left. That's not going to help them at all. Do they need the radical left, though? They do in the interim. They need the radical left to go out there and to to, to burn things down because they themselves won't do it. So they need the radical right. left to go out there and burn and loot and riot they and, need the and chaos. scare people. Yes, they need the chaos in the streets. And they need mm-hmm. those foot soldiers, essentially, to do that. That's their militant wing. So they need those people to do it. But they need to call them peaceful. Do we see that agenda? They need to give them cover saying that, oh, it's a myth. Do we see that agenda? So they need to no, give it no, cover. Of course not. Yeah, of course not. They need to give it cover. But at the same time, when the system gets burned, they need to keep those people in line to flush them. So let me put this into perspective. Every time you have a group go out and try and burn down and overthrow the society, the group that emerges after that is the group you have to worry about. Case in point, Bolshevik Revolution, Tsarist Russia, early 1900s. What'd you have? You had a minority group called the Mensheviks. Okay, Mensheviks, Russian word for minority. Then you had another group that was in that same political party called the Bolsheviks, run by V.I. Lenin. Bolshevik meaning majority in Russian. And so what happened? Both members of the same party, they were the Russian Social Democrats. Does that sound familiar? The Bolsheviks turned around, made a deal with the Mensheviks who were moderates, largely. They weren't revolutionaries. They were, they yes, they wanted legit societal change, but they didn't want it to the level of go out and, you know, run over and, and massacre everybody that was in your way. No, 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 they didn't. But the Bolsheviks did. But the Bolsheviks said, let's make a deal. Let's work together. Let's take over society. And then we'll give you a seat at the table. What happened to the Mensheviks? They didn't make it. And more than that, what happened to a majority of the Bolsheviks? After V.I. Lenin was brought to power, what happened to them? Oh, most of them were considered counter-revolutionaries. So they were either promptly dealt with or they were sent off to exile, eastern Siberia, slave labor camps. Happens every time in history. The Mensheviks, <laughs> they didn't even get a seat at the table. There wasn't a, a chance to, for them to become a counter-revolutionary. They were eliminated immediately. The fact is, is that when these groups out in the streets, once they have outlived their usefulness, 
once they believe that they have enough to bring in and usher in a new system at the top, those groups on the bottom, Antifa, BLM, they're going to flush those groups. They're going to flush them. They don't care. They will either be sent off. I'll tell you what's going to happen right now. You've got around 300 arrests that have happened at the moment between Antifa and BLM. Okay, 300 arrests. And so those people, Antifa mostly, by the way, and I'm talking about areas like Portland, Seattle, those types of areas. This only ends a couple of ways. Okay, one, these people are going to go to prison for a very long time. And when I say a very long time, you're talking at most 30 years, right? We're looking at 30 year charges on some of these people that have been arrested in Portland, the ones that have thrown pipe bombs into the federal courthouse out there and have injured federal marshals. That's attempted murder. You're going to get up to 30 years for that if you're convicted. Minimum charges you're going to be looking at are mandatory five-year prison sentences. So these these little uh, spoiled brats from these universities that have been wound up by these uh, sick academics saying that, oh, it's your time to go out and take over the society, you're going to go to prison and you're going to go to prison for a very long time. And if you don't make it to prison, then the people in the suburbs are going to teach you a lesson. Because as we saw what happened last week, what happened when Antifa took a wrong turn and ended up out in the suburbs and they started beating up on members of the community didn't work out too well for them. Now, nobody was hurt apart from Antifa, but the people out in the suburbs and the ones that that come from rural America, we don't like that. We don't take kindly to our property and our businesses and our families being messed with. We're not in the cities. We don't come from the cities. We take things a little more seriously. See, by all accounts, they should have moved out of the cities already, but they haven't yet. When you get out into the suburbs, when you get out into rural America, you're going to meet some real resistance. It's going to be there. You've got county sheriffs across the country now coming out saying, we're advising our citizens to own guns and blow you back out the door if you go into their home. And that's what will happen. That's not something you want to do. That's not something you it's not something that you you sit there and you you think, OK, well, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit here and wait. No, you get into areas of the country where people value things. People value their families. People value their property and they want to protect it. I think if you ask any person that comes from rural America, if you ask any person, you ask any one of them who's a good old gun toting, God fearing person, you ask any of them, you say, is it something you're willing to do to protect your family and your home? And most of them will tell you, yes, don't want to do it. But if someone's going to come to your house at two o'clock in the morning and burn it down, what are you going to do? What are you supposed to do? You supposed to just sit there and take it? The American people. It's not the American way. No, it's not. We're, We're not serfs. We're not like the poor Russian people that were that were serfs 500 years before the Bolshevik Revolution. And Russia was on the verge of real democratic reform when they overthrew the czar. They were on the verge of real democratic reform. They were headed in the right direction. But Lenin swooped in and took everything over. That wasn't even a revolution for all those people that say, oh, that's the October Revolution. That was the Bolshevik Revolution. That wasn't a revolution. Please. I've read all about it. Go back and read it for yourself. It was an armed insurrection. 1,200 people took over two towns and shot three people. That's all that happened. That's not a revolution. That was an opportunity. That's all they were. That's all the, that's all the Bolsheviks were. They were opportunists. And because of that opportunity, because that situation presented itself, they swooped in and they put the poor Russian people under eight decades of pure hell. 1,200 people took over two towns, killed three people, enslaved an entire nation, the largest nation on the planet for 80 years. And for what? For what? And how many millions of lives did it cost in that 80 years? We don't need to go down that road. Are you sure we don't need to go down that road? I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced we don't need to go down that road. And I, I'm, not, I'm not being facetious. People here seem to be, um, I don't want to go down that road. 
because the the the, the amount of pain and and suffering that's going to be down that road and death. At the same time, how do you get to a drug addict? How do you get them to change or or even get to pay attention to change? Right? They have to hit rock bottom, right? Yes, and you I'm, hope it doesn't I'm not kill them. Convinced, in the right? Same kind of scenario here. I don't know how else to get to the left. Many of them are being taught to listen to their emotions instead of facts because your emotions are more important than the facts. Uh, I'm sorry. What do your emotions control you or do you control your emotions? Like I'm anyway, I'm so I'm not I'm not entirely sure if America chooses to go down that road. There is hope at the end and that when we pull out of it, you know, there'll there'll be a chance for going back to the the America's foundation, you know, going back to what it was, uh, what it was intended and staying there for another 200 years or more, at least two generations. We'll, we'll stay in that. Uh, and then we'll probably have to fight it all over again. You know, it's funny. You, you bring up an interesting point there. You say that you have to go through that in order to come out on the other side of it. And if you were to look at the old Eastern Bloc countries here in Europe, if you were to look at those, look at the way they're behaving. Countries like mm-hmm. Hungary, countries like Poland, Czech Republic, these areas. A lot of these countries, these are now pro-nationalistic kind of governments, as in they're putting their nation first kind of attitudes, as opposed to going down the line of uh, of collectivism. Collectivism is what they've been under for the last you know, 80, 90 years. And they're thinking, you know what? We've been through hell. Maybe we should try something else. And they're getting into the free market capitalism. They're getting into... Um, you know, putting their nation first and making good trade deals and letting people keep their wealth and things of that nature. So, I mean, may, maybe it is what you say. I mean, but if I guess my point is, is when you go down that road and you look at how those people have gone through that, they know, right? They know, especially the older generation, they know where that road leads. And they're educating their younger people, the, the generations coming up about, hey, value where you come from. Hungary, for example, what Viktor Orban is doing over there in Hungary, first and foremost, he's banned George Soros, okay? He kicked him out of the country and all of his foundations, okay? Right move number one, all right? Second thing, what's he doing? He's implementing incentives, tax incentives. And this, this, is, a good, this is a good topic. He's implementing tax incentives for those that want to uh, have children, for those that want to uh, keep the family together. I think Putin's doing the same thing in Russia, but just on Hungary here. I, I, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't know the exact details. Maybe you can find it. I don't know. But essentially what he's done is they have started a new tax plan over there. And this was just introduced probably within the last six, last six months. And it's essentially if you want to have, if you're a man and a woman, right, and you get together and you want to have children, okay? If you get married, then you have to, first of all, if you get married, then uh, you pay a lower tax rate, a federal income tax. It's a, it's a lower rate. If you have one child, I think you get somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 15,000 euros, I think is what it is. If you have two children, then you get 25,000. If you have three or more, then you get upwards of 30,000. And there's more to it. You think, okay, well, those are financial incentives for having children. Of course they are. So it'll help you raise the child. It'll help you pay for your expenses and things like that. Okay, sounds good, right? However, if you stay married until all children are 18 years old, then the couple doesn't have to pay income taxes for life if you stay married. Now, I can't think of a better incentive. Of course, you have to do other things. You can't just say, okay, well, this is the easy way to do because, or this is the easy way to do it. And you start the modern monetary theory because you end up down a road of hyperinflation, economic collapse and the like. So you have to have other means in order to inject finance capital into the market. But if you deregulate the market, you let the free market work, then you have money to finance those types of programs. 
programs, if you turn those into social programs, massive social programs. And if they work, then the country will stay stable. It will stay intact. You won't have cultural depreciation. What, what do you think of those programs, Bruce? I can't say that those are the exact dollar amounts. I think they're close or exact mm-hmm. monetary amounts, but they're close. But it's something along those lines that, that I remember hearing about around yeah. six months ago. Yeah. So there's also an incentive to where if you have four kids, um, then you're exempt from income tax altogether. That's it. Um, yeah, that's it. As well as if you're the grandparents and you take care of the kids or help take care of the kids, you get paid a um, uh, child care fee or, so, or basically. So you, you get money for it as well. So it, it's encouraging not just family like the, the you know, the, the <laughs> nuclear family. Right. It's also including generational. So you're, you're getting the older. There's a lot of wisdom that you can get from your, your grandparents. There, mm-hmm. there is a lot of wisdom there you can glean from them. Um, so and I, culture. I, I think all that culture, and, and all that culture, culture yeah. you can learn. And then on top of that, exactly what you were saying, um, the older generations are the ones that seen, they seen what it was like to go through socialism here in America. We haven't experienced socialism. However, our older generations had the, the red scare, you know, they lived through fighting communism. They've lived through going against those ideas. So, I mean, they have some uh, relevant, you know, un- understanding there uh, of what like firsthand experience, if you will. And we we have immigrants that have come here as well that are uh, have have lived through communism. So I I think this is, a, uh, you know, it, it's a it's an in- innovative idea. It's a uh, this is something uh, as far as the government doing something, I'm more OK with something like, hey, you have four kids, we're cutting income tax like you pay no mm-hmm. income tax. Mm-hmm. That's great. I'm I'm all for cutting more government, like especially you know, especially that, if you keep family yeah. together. If you keep the family together as a single yes. family unit, I, I don't like government involvement. However, this is a good use of government because you're trying to better society in a truly beneficial way, not like bettering society by getting rid of the you know the what is it the. Um, cisgender, you know, patriarchy oh, or or getting rid of the whatever the BLM's nonsense is, right? Yes, yes. It, that's not going to benefit society. These kind of things will, you know, encouraging those families to be together. So I'm I'm for it. That's part of our problem here in the US is is the families being separated like that and not having a, a mother father when you grow up. When you don't have that dynamic, you're far more likely to, well, be a criminal. I mean, it's just it's disproportionately greater. So keeping the family together, that's going to help your not only your population rates by giving them tax incentives uh, to have more kids, but it's also going to be more beneficial to the family or, or to society in general because, you know, less crime. I've talked in the past about, you know, how we need financial incentives for for having children in the US and it's not it's not the way that they they have it set up now. The way they have it set up now is it's just a massive welfare program and it's it's a disaster. This is not that. What we're describing here what they're doing in the nation of Hungary, this is not the way that it's set up in the US is completely different. But keeping families together, if we don't do that, if we don't do that, if we don't have that nuclear family, that foundational system in our society, and you know we're big on the family here. If you don't have that in society, then the society fails. The system tears itself apart. And so what's been the agenda for the last 50 years? The, the family in America has been under attack for 50 years. And now we're just seeing the end result of that attack. This is it. This is their final push. 
And so it's going to get more crazy from here on out. You talked about, well, America maybe just needs to go through it. Maybe you need to hit rock bottom. But see, the problem is, and in a way, I kind of agree with you, but the problem is, is when a country goes down that road, you come out on the other end, but it's a coin flip as to which way you come out. Usually you come out worse than what you were or you know, in very rare exceptions, does it actually go the way that it wants to go? The American Revolution was kind of the exception to that rule. We were something that emerged out of it. We, we took on an empire and we won. We weren't supposed to do that, but we did. And as a result of us winning the American Revolution against the British, we paved the way for democratic rule to take over the West. That's what it was. You had monarchs ruling most of Europe at the time. And we put them out of business. When America was created, it was a curtain call for tyrants. Well, now we're at the end of that time. The tyrants are back and they didn't send blue helmets. They sent white lab coats under the names of Fauci. <laughs> you know, it's not like Fauci might as well be up there wearing a blue helmet and a blue mask. He, he might as well be. Uh, I just want to be a clear on the uh, since I since I did bring up the you know, we need to go through it. Uh, just to be clear, I, I don't want to see us go through it because of the current scenario, the way technology is going and everything. I legitimately don't think we get out of it. Like uh, the, the way technology is right now, if we go down the road of socialism, we go down that road. We don't get out. Like I, I, I don't see a way of, of combating and overpowering technology and the, the means of tracking and the, and the police state. I, I don't see getting out of that. I don't know how you would. Uh, unless unless society around the, the rest of the Western world continues on without us and continues advancing. And then we somehow get a hold of technology from the future if, effectively because we'll be stuck in the past as far as technologically speaking. So I, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to see us go down that road. It, it, it's, it is a terrifying idea. It is. And it's, the way that they have this system set up, it's designed to collapse and like they've maneuvered us into this position where it's designed to collapse, but it collapses into something that, as you're stating it, something that they can control. So they can then quell any type of resistance that could mount in the future. That's the point of it. So if they can somehow or another manage that control collapse, then it's something that they could turn to their advantage. I'm talking about, you know, the elites uh, around the, around the world. And to be honest with you, it's fallen apart. Like it's it's falling apart. They're trying to maintain control of this and it's just not working. You know, the German government put out the official death numbers today, the official death numbers overall, no particular age bracket or anything of covid-19 deaths in Germany. Do you know what it was percentage wise? Zero point zero three two. That's nothing. That is nothing. Over a million people in the streets last weekend alone standing out in front of their nation's capital. And the media has the gall to come out and say, oh, there's only 20,000 out there. That's all. Nothing to see here. Move along. They can't control this narrative forever. They're losing control of it now. They're barely able to maintain hold. I don't know that they have. Uh, well, no, they haven't completely. But they're barely able to maintain control in the U.S., except in key areas where people are just capitulating and doing what they're told. Uh, well, I, OK, so I agree with you on the on the COVID-19 narrative, right? That's falling apart. The damage has already been done, though. Uh, we're seeing inflation numbers increasing over the last two months. It's increased by about 0.6%. You know, yes. It doesn't sound like much, but when you, you know, inflation doesn't usually increase that quickly. Um, just over the last two months, it's increased a little bit. So we're, we're seeing like we're on the edge of societal collapse. The only reason that America is still going and hasn't had a, a complete uh, collapse right now is because the government's 
kicking the can down the road right now and, and giving people money and hoping that the economy can come back to life to, you know, kick that can down the road even further. Uh, the, the problem is, is our debt keeps building. Like the more the government's bailing us out, the more money, if my generation, right, my, my generation's kids, what is it in the vicinity of a hundred and some thousand dollars the kid owes immediately when they're born because of the government debt? Well, Bruce, you know how you pay for that, right? You just do. You, you, just, you do. just do. Yeah. You just do. Mm. It's that simple. But no, you're, you're right. The damage is done. Like, it doesn't matter even before COVID, right? <laughs> the damage was done before COVID, if you want to be technical about it. There was nothing that Trump could have done. The economy is set to self-destruct. They deregulated the markets and they blew it apart 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Sorry. So this was He's only a matter of time. time. Yeah, he's made it worse. He, he's made it worse by doing this. But his his mindset going into the election initially was, OK, let me put it this way. I think Trump underestimated how bad the corruption actually was. I think he underestimated how bad it actually was. And he just thought, OK, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get a hold of what's going on with the economy. I'll get it jump started and then people will get behind it and everyone's going to be happy. Um, that sounds good to the average person, hence why he said, make America great again. He ran on the economy. So once he got in there and he started to do those things and he saw that there was pushback from people who have sold the country out on purpose, this is where all this stuff has been cooked up to, you know, get rid of him. So it's, it's been that constant thing of, wait a minute, well, what, what are you people doing? I'm trying to better the country. They don't want to better the country. They want to torpedo the country. China is the model for them going forward. This is what we've been screaming about for the last, you know, before we started podcasting, we thought this is what their plan is. This is what they've done. They've maneuvered us into this. They've sold us out on purpose. It doesn't have to be this way, but this is what they've done. And the very same people, the very same traitors that have sold us out are now turning around and sitting down in Switzerland in January, and they're going to maintain control going forward. But see, on the way down, they're going to take everything and everybody with them. But see, they're trying to come out of the other side in control. They want to maintain their status and protect themselves, their investments, their assets going forward. Not yours, not mine. We're going to lose everything. They're not. See, if they crash it now, if they pull the plug now, because you know that there's a disconnect. You even brought it up last week, Bruce. There's a disconnect here. We're seeing the cities burn. Literally, the cities are being burned. They're looting. They're rioting. People are leaving the cities in mass, going out to rural America, and the stock market's going up. Something's wrong. There's a facade there. It's artificial. It's being pumped up. And so I, I think I think most people can see this. And I've talked to it. I've talked to investors that I've known for for decades, and I trust them. And they say that it's not right. There's something really off. So that, that's all I'm going to say on it. But nonetheless, if they pull the plug on it now before they have a solid structure in place to maintain their dominance going forward, they're going to lose everything, too. And so they don't want to lose everything. They want to make sure that they come out on top after they crash the system and take everything from us. That's their plan. And if you don't believe me, please don't. I actually, you know what? I don't want anybody to believe me. Don't believe me. Go back. Listen to our podcast on the agenda of societal change. We did it two weeks ago. Go listen to that. We tell you exactly where to go. We tell you what documents to look for. Weforum.org. Weforum.org. Emerging pathways towards a post-COVID-19 reset and recovery. This is their reset button. This was coming whether Trump made it or not. It doesn't matter. But the question is, is where are we going to be on the other side of it? We need to make a decision 
as far as where we're going to go. But anyway, it's it, it's a side issue. COVID is is nothing more than an attitude of control at this point. As I said, the death numbers here, it, it's not it, it what you're going to you're going to shut down society. You're going to take everything from everybody and you're going to implement uh, a totalitarian type system. Three tenths of one percent. Uh, how much sense does that make? It doesn't. You're going to mandate stuff on people over that? I read today there's a school. There's a school in, is it New Jersey? Where they say that, what was it New Jersey, Bruce? Where they said that school's impossible. It's impossible. We can't do it. Mm, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Where's the one you said they had like a thousand students quarantine? Where, where's the one you said they had like a thousand students quarantine? Uh, let's see. Over 900 in Georgia district quarantined. So I believe it's Georgia. Uh-huh. And, okay. And, and based on what? Do they actually have... Like, is this a legit thing or is this something where they test them? It's all they're all asymptomatic. So we can't have school. That's the uh, question. so, yeah, in this case, it was because of one person and they were they were saying that the rest of them could be infected now too. one person. They're shutting down schools. Yeah. They're canceling schools. They've quarantined almost a thousand people because of one person. Do you understand how crazy this sounds? If somebody would have said this to you a year ago, would you have believed it? Would you have believed it? You would have said, no. What are you? What are you nuts? One person has the sniffles. We're going to cancel all of the school year because one person has the sniffles. You out of your mind? No one would have believed you. But in this world, with the agenda they're pushing on people, the mask wearing, the social distancing, the shutting down of your economies, they're pushing people to the breaking point. New Jersey has stopped in-person learning in one district. 400 teachers have opted out. Teachers don't want to teach. It became fruitless to continue to try to do what was impossible. So they're going to spend the next five weeks making remote learning the best it can possibly be. I want everyone to feel safe. Myself, my students, my colleagues, my family. One of the teachers said, hmm, be safe or feel safe, which is more important. She's also stressed about how social distancing guidelines would hurt her ability to teach if she were in the classroom. What do I do if a child cries and needs their shoe tied? Uh, tell them to suck it up, buttercup, and tie your shoe. <laughs> right. How do I respond and say, I can't help you. I can't comfort you because we need to be six feet apart. Well, I, I've got a great way of saying that because of the governor, because of the regulations from the government, I can't comfort you and hug you. But nah, government's bad. The, the agenda here. Yeah. The, the agenda here is to is to shut down society. That's the agenda. And it's to divide people from ourselves. That's all it's about. That's where we are. We can't go back to normal until what? I can't tell you what the answer to that is because I don't know. It's whatever they say it is. And when you get to that point, it's going to be something else. It's going to be the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. You notice there's never any end to it. What happened to 14 days? What happened to that? Wasn't it what supposed just, to be 14 What days? happened to just, it was supposed to be just flatten the curve. That's all it was supposed to be. Yeah. Just and then they said, oh, we got to log down. Yeah. And it, uh, I'm sorry. What? Uh, and, and the thing is, is it was done so slowly. Uh, I mean, it, it's just kind of. Well, no, no, no. See, this is for your safety. Safety. Where did where where have I heard that? If you give up your freedom for safety, you will get and deserve neither. Huh? I, I don't yeah, think there's anything. Just, not of any any importance or anything. I, I don't think there was. Yeah. Said anything like uh, that? It's conspiracy theory or something? Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe I must have dreamt, I dreamt it or something. Yeah. Hmm. Schools across Elkhart County, Indiana, are now authorized to start in person. They first announced they'd begin a school year digitally, which had prompted students and parents to protest outside the county health department in favor of reopening. Which New York's going to reopen too, by the way. And I think there's six steps that they have to follow in order to reopen safely. And it's pretty much this: if one kid, if one kid comes down with COVID-19 in the schools. If one kid, then they're going to shut it all down. So then you can say, oh, well, at least we tried, right? 
after, you know, and days after a photo surface of a jam-packed hallway in the North Paulding High School in Georgia. Yeah, did you see that? The student, I think, I got suspended they, who posted it. They originally suspended. Uh, they originally suspended the student, but then uh, uh, took that back. They they uh, revoked the oh, suspension they? Okay. or whatever. That yeah, yeah. Well, at least nine coronavirus cases were confirmed there, prompting a new temporary switch to remote learning at a Paulding County school district. On Tuesday, some cast doubt that the coronavirus would affect their kids. Though studies indicate children can be infected. Uh, okay. One teacher was not amused. I had students making fun of the fact that I chose to wear a mask. That's unacceptable, the teacher says. Well, then, I don't know what to tell you. What Now, now you're going to cry because students are making fun of you? It, you're, you're, a, you're an adult. Who's the snowflake here? It's the teacher. But see... No, no. Yeah, but that's my point. It's like, who who's the snowflake again? Because... I mean, granted, the, the teacher could be of a millennial age, and that's that's the one that they say is the, the snowflakes. But then they say mm-hmm. Zoomers are supposed to be snowflakey as well. Who's a Zoomer? A Zoomer is the generation after millennials. It'd, it'd be the millennials' oh. kids, basically. Oh, okay. And what yeah. do they do? Well, I mean, they're supposed to be more um, morbid in their jokes and um, supposed to be – well, they're supposed to be worse than millennials uh, is, is okay. what we're told. But All right. You, you, know how the, you know how the generational battles are. The, the generation yeah. after you was always worse than the generation before, and it's yeah. never the case. They, they're all the same essentially, but they still try to divide us in that sense. All right. Well, hey, some good news though. Not all schools are going along like that. Not all of them are doing it. The Big 12 – which encompasses the Oklahoma City, uh, the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah. Oklahoma University Sooners. Yeah. Which I think there's something with that name. It's probably going to have to be done away with. I'm not sure. They're part of the Big 12 and they have announced their fall football schedule. They're going to start. They're not sitting this one out. So that conference is going to play. On Wednesday, the Big 12 released its full conference schedule. The plan at the moment is for the Big 12 to have opening weekend on September 26th, which is about a month later than originally scheduled. But teams will play nine games and have two bye weeks, allowing for flexibility in case a game needs to be postponed. So you've got, it looks like, I don't even know who the hell these things. Okay, so you got West Virginia University. It looks like Texas, uh, Tennessee, TCU, uh, Oklahoma University. Uh, and a few others. I, I don't know who all those are. But anyway, and the, the sports fan out there is going to shoot me. But the ACC and the SEC are the two other power conferences. Both are currently holding firm on their plans to play a college football season uh, this fall. But there's been no official announcement. So some college football's coming back, but they're not. I thought they were pretty much all of the same consensus here. As in, they were all going to follow suit, but apparently they're not. I said yesterday they're all going to do it, but I might have jumped a gun on that. So they're going to keep it. What, what do you think? Colleges are going to start their football season? They should. Yeah. They should. Um, yeah. Honestly, we, we've talked about it. It's going to screw over uh, the seniors if, if they don't. And how is that? They're not going to have another chance. Like once they're done with their senior year, that's it. What, what do you, how are they going to get like the, the, the scouts, the recruiters? How are they going to? get exposed to the scouts like so yeah it's detrimental to those students but also we we were talking about the uh the the colleges themselves the programs yeah so they they have to open up and um just for clarification ou is um that's that's more western side the sooners and the the osu is the area i'm in so that that'll that'll get you in trouble here here in the state if you're you know an ou person in an osu area just just saying really 
that much of a rivalry, huh? <laughs> there's, yeah, there's, there's, it, it, it's a joke, but there is a rivalry between the two, yeah. Well, to be fair, you know, I mean, I'm from Ohio. If you're caught wearing a Michigan shirt there, they'll shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, anyway, uh, so they're going to, uh, they're going to start their season. And yeah, I, good. Good. Just do you remember that old saying we started with kick the door open? Well, you know something? I'm ready to blast that thing off its hinges, right? <laughs> Forget kicking it open. Like, let's just blast the thing open. Uh, all Jersey, right. Yeah. yeah. New Jersey, right? We were talking about New Jersey schools. Well, OK, mm-hmm. you have to do remote learning if you're in a New Jersey school. Well, apparently you have to do a remote pool party as well. Uh, two men have been charged after a large pool party in New Jersey. Uh, they did. Bruce, they had a pool party and they didn't have any masks on. And they didn't oh, social humanity. distance. They didn't social distance were they at a pool to, party. Were, were they supposed to wear scuba gear? I, I don't. I don't understand. How, how are you supposed to have a pool party? Which that's the point. You don't have one because that's what they're trying to tell you. You don't have any freedoms anymore. How are you supposed to have a pool party then? Like, well, they're all outside in the sun. But what's the problem? Well, I have to give these guys credit. They um, they charged admission. <laughs> I'm serious. That's um, that's great. <laughs> yeah, they, they charged admission. Attendees would be charged admission. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. Great. Here's the deal. When police in New Jersey learned a homeowner in Gloucester Township was planning to host a large pool party where attendees would be charged admission, the police warned him of potential violations. Uh, the party Sunday in Slickerville, about 20 miles from Philadelphia, went on and the homeowner and the event promoter <laughs> were charged. <laughs> so Charged with what? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. What it says, law is, it is on the books to, that they can charge him with? There isn't any. There isn't any. This is just, it's an order, right? This None of these are laws. <laughs> it is at least the third large party shut down in New Jersey in the last week where guests paid entrance fees. <laughs> I mean, uh, hey, uh, entrepreneur, man. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, his business is shut down. He's charging, you know, he's charging admission. Yeah. All right. He had an event promoter there, so they must have had live music. Yeah. Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. I mean, all right. Lieutenant Jason Gittin said Wednesday that the police had learned through social media that the homeowner, Jeffrey Davis Jr., would be hosting a for-profit pool party. Oh, man. A for-profit pool party. Can you you imagine, Bruce, someone trying to make money in America? Can you imagine that? Unbelievable. I mean, come on. Clearly, they don't care about people's lives. You know, if this guy just goes one state over... Can you imagine? I mean, he'd get a great deal on rent. It's only nine hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars a month to pay rent in Midtown Manhattan. You know, it's <laughs> a lot of pool parties. Right. It's a lot of pool well, parties. That is a lot of pool parties. Except he can have he a pool over there be, and charge all those people. Yeah, officers, except he would be arrested and exactly, charged yeah, just the same. Yeah. But officers had contact <laughs> unless unless Governor Cuomo was invited. And then he got all of his millionaire friends down there, you know, to right. drink or cook him dinner. Or, you know. drink, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Officers had contacted Davis last Thursday and warned him of potential violations of the state's order. See, it's an order. It's not a law against large social gatherings and local ordinances for having a party during the COVID-19 pandemic. From 4 p.m. to 9 p.m., officers monitored. So, see, they were casing his joint for five hours, five hours. They were sitting on his house. They monitored the single family home at 12 Prospect Court and, and observed approximately 250 people inside and outside of the property attending the pool party. Did they just, they just dox the guy? They just they gave just, the address. They did. They did. I'm suing the newspaper. I'm suing the state. So I'm going after the law enforcement. So get this, right? They were cased in his place for five hours. Five hours the police sat outside of this place. They watched 250 people. So what? You didn't immediately swoop in there and stop it? So- I, I blame the police officers for allowing the spread. Just saying. 
Attendees were charged a $35 admission fee and were observed not wearing masks or practicing social distancing. The state limits outdoor gatherings to 500 people and social distancing must be practiced. So wait a minute. There were 250 people. The state limits outdoor gatherings to 500 people. So what's the problem here? What well, they weren't socially distancing and they weren't wearing masks either. Okay, so that's right, the problem. Right. Loud mm-hmm. music was also playing in violation of the township's noise ordinance and wait, eight wait, vehicles. Okay. So the, the, the loud noise bit, most areas I've lived, it's always after 10 p.m. is the, the noise <laughs> right, ordinance. Right, right. Okay. Anytime after yeah. that, you have to get a permit usually and you have to notify the neighborhood if you're going to continue. Right. Uh, right. And if they all say it's OK, then, yeah, it's fine. They also ticketed eight vehicles for parking violations in a private residence. <laughs> they ticketed eight vehicles for parking violations. Can you imagine, Bruce, if you parked your car outside of your house and you got a parking ticket? Can you imagine that? Uh, I mean, uh, are you are you referencing an HOA? OK, yeah, fair enough. Officers I, requested well, that the homeowner. those, by the way. I hate HOAs, by the way. Yeah, I, anyway, I do too. Anyway, officers requested that the homeowner shut down the party. And upon the attendees exiting, large crowds littered the street with trash. Well, of course, they were pissed. Mm-hmm. You ask, what were they charged with? So Davis, 31, man identified by the police as the party promoter. Marheem Miller, 28, of Camden, were charged with three counts of violating the governor's executive orders. They were charged with violating the governor's executive orders. That's what they were charged with. They weren't charged with a crime. They weren't charged with breaking the law. They were charged with breaking an unconstitutional and illegal order. So Mm. therefore, in my opinion, the court should throw it out because it's illegal to start with. So the so this is this is the equivalent of what it is. You have a dictator country. Okay. now you decided to throw a party in dictator country. Dictator says you cannot throw a party. You throw a party. He sends the cops after you. And the only thing they have to go on is the dictator said, don't do it. That's all. That's that's all they have. So there you go. Welcome to the new America, the new normal. Governor Phil Murphy has made a comment regarding the situation. I'm not sure if he consulted with Cardinal Joe Tobin or not in the uh, in the midst of all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he mm-hmm. said that, unfortunately, unfortunately, you see this. He has to start with unfortunately because it's it's unfortunate he has to say this kind of thing. But he says, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the actions of a few knuckleheads leave us no other course. We have to go back and tighten these restrictions. So you mm-hmm. see. He's doing it for for you. He's doing it for your benefit. He's Mm. he's trying to save the community. He's trying to preserve the order of society. He's going to tell you what's fair and what's right. I I don't I really don't know what else to say. Like you you should have a crowd surrounding the state house, surrounding the governor's mansion, protesting that that son of a bitch resign. Can I say that? Can I can I say that? I don't know if I can say that. Uh, I mean, I mean, technically, you can say that as far as the FCC is concerned, but I don't know if we can. I, right. I mean, technically, yeah, we can say that. Yeah, sure. It, you know something? I mean, it, you're going to have to excuse me while I go and grab some eggs and crack them over my forehead and boil them on my forehead, because this kind of thing it gets me. We're, we're, we're typically against tyrants, you know, as Americans. And this is what they're doing right now is they're being little tyrants. And where are you, the American people? <laughs> where every one of these residents in that in that um, er, honestly in the entire state should just go and throw a pool party, or go and throw a barbecue, or go just completely defy his orders and go. What are you gonna do? You know, it's just God. This really that, it's that really irks me. It's agonizing because that's that's not. I don't care. You can say okay, well that's not America. That's not anywhere in the civilized world. That's not anywhere. I don't care what you say. You can't have people over for a pool party for what? 
something that kills three tenths of one percent of people. It's like this is what I said. Uh, This is what I said. This is what's that? Three one hundredths. Three one hundredths of one percent. Excuse me. I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I I love it when I fail and I fail like less than what (laughs) I'm supposed to fail as. That makes sense. Right. 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 So it's like okay. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I fail and it's like, OK, I, I should have done better than that. Like when we talked about the um, the 500,000 protesters, because that's what we thought mm-hmm. it was. thought, it, well, OK, it's 500,000 mm-hmm. protesters. And I stood by that because that's what I thought it was. And then when I saw it was over a million, I, th- I thought, OK, well, I'm glad like we screwed that up. But I like that it was. I, how do I say this? It was worse, but it was better than what we were saying, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right, right, right. So I, I like it well, when I mean, those yeah, mistakes yeah. happen. I, I, those are right. better than over exaggerating, and then it's not that. So you know, and, right? But the, the thing hyperbolic. is, though, yeah, yeah, right. And and the thing is, is like before we talk about something on here, we check, double check, and then we recheck it again to make sure. Usually, so mm-hmm. we we don't just go on things off of a whim. So we make sure that we we go through and we research a topic before we speak on it. Usually, but. M- Everything that we do here, this, I mean, it's not scripted. We're we're just sitting here. It's just two guys having a conversation or more, which mm-hmm. I wonder how GP's doing. Last we heard, he was protesting <laughs> down at the governor's mansion. That was the last we heard of him. I wonder how he's doing. So you have police officers arresting people in the neighborhoods like that for having pool parties. But if you go south of there, if you go down to Florida, and there's been a lot of Florida sheriffs that have come out, most notably Polk County, right? Florida's Polk County Sheriff. He's the guy that said he encourages his... Uh, his citizens own guns. It says, hey, look, you know, we'll we'll protect the community as best we can. But at the end of the day, it's you, the citizen, that has to take responsibility. Law enforcement will back you up as necessary. And that's how it should be. That's how it should be. I, I'm, I'm still stuck on that. What was it? New Jersey? Is that where it was? The yeah. The yeah. whole party? I'm, I'm still stuck on the where the hell is the law? What what are you doing, law enforcement? You're you're not enforcing. That is not a law. That is a dictator saying you can't do this. You can't use your First Amendment rights. Um, excuse me. You have no power and authority to violate those under any circumstance. So I, I don't know. This is this is what gets me frustrated with not just the American people, but our our institutions, our establishments, the the whole police force that went along with this. I, I don't care if you did it because you you were trying to keep your job or you were trying to whatever. I don't care. Like, I don't even care if you're fully on board with this. COVID's going to kill us all. You took an oath to uphold the Constitution and to uphold the law. This gubernatorial edict is neither. So what are you doing? Uh, anyway, uh, I don't know. That is just that stuff gets me heated. No, you're on a roll, man. Keep going. I was going to let you go. You know, someone actually sent me a comment today that said, I love it when Bruce comes off the handle. <laughs> I, I try not to let it happen, though, because I don't. I don't no, you're like very it control- I'm, I'm, you're very I'm tense and person. stuff. And, yeah, you're a very controlled yeah. person. But anyway, uh, down to Florida. So there's a sheriff down there. As I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted. There was, <laughs> there was, a, <laughs> there was a sheriff down in Florida. <clears throat> Just kidding. There was a sheriff down in Florida who has said that this is no longer a debate. And he bans his deputies and visitors from wearing masks. Now, see, there is a law enforcement officer that's doing precisely what you're talking about. Ignoring the ruling because it's an unconstitutional and it's an illegal order. The government cannot force you to wear something at all. I don't care if it's a hat or a jacket or a pair of socks, let alone a mask. They cannot force you to wear anything. That's not how government is supposed to operate. Now, they might be able to get by with that in places like communist China. But the only way they get by with it in countries in the West is when we allow them to get by with it. Mm -hmm. We're not communist China. The police clearly are not going to 
ignore it. So we're going to have to ignore it. And the police officers that are in elected positions, county sheriffs, they're law enforcement officers, they're deputies. That's an elected position. You notice the sheriff's departments are not under attack. That's an elected position. People put them in there. So they have the support of the community. They're not under attack. It's the bureaucracies and the the administrative offices of appointed positions like chiefs of police, things of that nature, officers, they're under attack. Sheriffs are not. By the way, the sheriffs outrank the city, just saying. Mm -hmm. So they're they're over the whole county. So if a sheriff says, well, we're not... Go ahead. They also outrank feds. The feds come in and say, hey, we're going to X, Y, Z. The sheriff can be like, no, you're not. See you later. And their their authority holds. Uh, The sheriff has said... We can debate and argue all day of why and why not. The fact is the amount of professionals that give the reason why we should, I can find the exact same amount of professionals that say why we shouldn't. He is the first law enforcement official to outright ban masks for his deputies. And he has issued an order as Marion County and its largest city, Ocala, Ocala, Florida, great city, are mirrored in a politically charged debate over a mandatory mask rule. The Ocala City Council passed an emergency mask order last week. Uh, Emergency mask order, you hear this? It's garbage. But Mayor Kent Gwynn vetoed it, citing in part a refusal by Ocala Police Chief Greg Graham to enforce the rule. My chief and I have talked about it. We will never write a fine. We're just not going to do it. That was the city mayor of Ocala that said that. He's a Republican, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that out there. The city council plans to meet Wednesday to consider overriding the veto. Does this tell you just where exactly the city council people stand? City council. Okay. (laughs) Woods, who is the sheriff, meanwhile, told his deputies on Tuesday to stop wearing masks in most cases. While officers can still mask up in areas, including the courthouse and county jail, they must immediately take off the face covering afterward. Deputies working special events are also forbidden from wearing masks. All visitors to the sheriff's department buildings will be asked to take off their mask in the lobby, linking that a rule to the ongoing protests against police brutality. True. In light of the current events, when it comes to the sentiment and or hatred towards law enforcement in our country today, this is being done to ensure that there is clear communication and for identification purposes uh of any individual walking into the lobby, he wrote. Since the beginning of this pandemic, the operation of this office has not changed and no wearing of masks has been put in place. And by the way, you think, okay, well, that's just a small county sheriff's office. And yeah, there's um there's not that many people and yeah you you people are out there in the sticks that's a 900 person department they've got 900 people in that department before you think okay well yeah there's just about 10 or 15 people out there and out there in the country out there in the sticks no should anyone challenge a deputy about wearing a mask the sheriff wrote politely and professionally tell them that i am not required to wear a mask and nor will i per the order of the sheriff i love that the county sheriff whose office didn't immediately respond to a message to the Washington Post. I wouldn't have either. I tell you people to stuff it. <laughs> this is no longer a debate, nor is it up for discussion, he wrote. Please keep in mind that this entire pandemic is fluid and constantly changing the way things are done. However, my orders will be followed or my actions will be swift to address. I love this guy. Can I go golfing with this guy? You know, can, can I come over right. there? Can we, can we go to a golf outing or something, sheriff? I, I, I'd like to buy you. I, I'm going to pull a Governor Cuomo. I'll buy you dinner. I'll buy you a drink, you know? So I, I can't get that out of my head. I cannot get that out of my head. No, the actions of this county sheriff is exactly what needs to be taken across the entire country by every county sheriff. That's what needs to happen. Is that enough pushback for you, Bruce? Uh, it, it's it's a great start, yeah. I like his, his argument with the um, identification bit because that's always been a concern for uh, the mandated masks. How do you identify people? I mean, there's so many people that look similar to others just when you have that 
little cross section of their eyes. Yeah, that's it. All you see. But uh, you know, that's not that's not enough to go on to identify someone. So that yeah, is correct. That's a, that's a good point. All right. Uh, we are unfortunately we are out of time, so we are going to have to go. So for those of you who have not, you would like to please do give us a follow over on the social media platform of Parlor. Love getting your echoes, your comments, your feedback, your upvotes. Uh, love everything you have to say to us. Love all the lines that you drop us. So uh, please keep them coming. Uh, we appreciate everything you have to say to us. Uh, and we do respond to all of your uh, all of your comments and all of your feedback, all your messages. You can follow me over there. I'm at Anderson 3 You can follow Marty at Marty Foster. Also, if you don't want to reach out to us on social media, if you're not on those platforms and that's not something you'd like to do, you can still drop us a line if you'd like with your comments, questions, suggestions, anything you'd like to say. You can drop it to us at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And you can put it attention to whoever you like, myself, Bruce, Marty, GP, any of us in the subject line. And also, we would humbly ask you to recommend us to friends and family. We do appreciate all of you that do listen. And if you do pass us along to people, we're pretty much available just about everywhere. Anywhere you can get your podcasts, except for SoundCloud. We're not on SoundCloud. They don't like us very well. Uh, yeah, difference of opinions, I suppose, but they just won't work with us. Also, if you are listening and you do like what you hear, please do rate us five stars on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you rate your podcast. Uh, we would appreciate that as well. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow. <laughs>